Welcome back. Oh, shit. <laughs> Sorry, but Don't fucking I thought you that. dropped off again. I couldn't hear you for a second. Yeah, we're well, recording? yeah, we're recording. I mean, this is, we're going, we're in the show. So, uh, everybody, welcome back. Uh, you know, uh, Bell Bell, Bobby Blaze, Professor Jeremy Vomer. <laughs> Sitting over there is some smart ass named Bobby Blaze. What's happening, Bobby? Hey, man. <laughs> I don't know about smart ass. Computers and internet kind of make you feel like a dumbass sometimes, man. We started the show, folks, about an hour ago and um, took a little bit of time off in between. Um, the internet came and went, and who knows what, but uh, we were in the middle of something during the opening, so we're starting from the top. Uh, I do know this. I'm going to give it the top 10 stupid moves and holds and finishes and things like that for professional wrestling. And uh, Jeremy's going to give us this week's uh, sponsor, and then we'll go right into it, man. Uh, How's that? That sounds fantastic. I feel like we've done this before. Um, so. Yeah. Hey, everybody, your inner your <laughs> your internet provider is uh, selling your browsing history and your your searches, and they know exactly what you've been uh, touching yourself impurely to. To keep them from doing that, you should get a VPN. I, I can recommend one from uh, Private Internet Access. I've been using them for eight years. Uh, you go to tinyurl.com slash blaze, P-I-A, Papa India Alpha. And, uh, you know, you can try it out for free, um, risk-free 30-day trial. If you pay for a certain amount ahead of time, you get two months for free. But more importantly, you get peace of mind. Uh, all right, Bobby, with that being said, let's get rolling here, huh? Yeah, all right, man. I like how you spelled this stupid, S-T-O-O-P-I-D. Um, but, yeah, we've got a uh, – I'll let you preface it there. We've got a couple reasons as to uh, how we put this up. Last week when we went off the air, we had this great idea uh, about this week's podcast, and, and we just started cracking up with it because uh, just as we finished up, is just like we talked a little bit off the air, and before we knew it, we laughed. Like, that'd be funny to do. So that's what we're going to do these um, – Holds and finishes and, and, and Jeremy's added on her, uh, uh, or moves and finish, moves and holds and now we've added finishes. So it's kind of stuff that, um, I'll let Jeremy preface it here, but it's just stuff that we just was cracking up with, just a couple of three of them, and we said, okay, let's do a top 10 on these. Uh, go ahead, Jeremy, preface it how we kind of got to where we're at. Um, well, so anytime you and I start talking wrestling, we get pretty deep into the weeds on it, and one of the things that especially now more than ever we've noticed is that finishing holds they're kind of running out of steam and we were kind of talking about some of the worst ones we'd ever seen and we just kind of started spitting out some answers and um last night when i was working on the notes i started put putting together kind of criteria or things that i think uh make finishes bad or finishers or moves bad and i came up with four classes that i think i think all of them will fit into one of these four if not two so the first one i have is they don't make sense like something about it just doesn't work it lacks logic and when you're doing a combat sport i think it has to make sense because if you lose credibility with your audience then they're out of it they they know what's going on and it just looks dumb you know Mm-hmm. The second one I have is it looks like it hurts the person delivering the move more than the person receiving the move. Yeah, that good, and I good point. Yeah, I think that one you probably see pretty often, and it just like you watch somebody give the move, and you're just like, holy shit, why, 
why is that guy up and moving around? You know, <laughs> um, the one one that I hate, and this is this is class three, is it breaks momentum. So you got somebody moving in a certain direction at a breakneck speed, and then when the move kicks off or halfway through the move, it shifts and goes the other way. When anybody that's ever interacted with another human being physically knows that if you try to break momentum mid-movement, it's not going to work. That's why Aikido, Judo, Jiu-Jitsu, they all go into you absorb their movement and then continue it that direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the last one I have is that it just doesn't look like it hurts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you, um, since these are stupid moves, holes, and finishes, I don't know if I ever told you this, but do you know the strongest hold in wrestling? The strongest hold? No. Yeah, strongest hold. It's the fucking pencil hold. And that's what the booker holds. <laughs> he's got the pencil, brother. <laughs> the power he's got of pencil. the most powerful hold in the business because he can put the W, he can put the L, or he can give you one of these uh, 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 finishes, you know, and um, you can go up or down or sideways or wind your, you know, whatever. But, yeah, always watch out for the office hold, folks. Yeah. <laughs> I don't that's... think it'll be on our list, but I gave away the strongest hold, and that's the office hold. And that, so, as they would say, is a straight shoot. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we always have um, people writing us and letting us know about, you know, what they think about the show. This week, uh, we were smart enough to jump ahead and out through our Twitter accounts. You can find Jeremy at the Geekish Cast. You can find me at Bobby Blaze 744 or hit us up at our joint account on uh, Bell to Bell Blaze on Twitter. And there's also a Bell to Bell Blaze on uh, Facebook as well. But we put out there uh, some fillers for, you know, we want you all to interact. And so some of these, uh, we'll give you credit where credit is due when it's, when it's time. But we had about 20 or so. And, of course, we, we want to do a top 10 in honor of the way we you know normally do our top 10 list. But but uh, we're going to get a couple. We're going to give three honorable mentions uh, first, and then we'll start into our top 10. Now, if uh, if a caller or, excuse me, a caller, yeah, caller, caller number nine, um, no. If uh, someone gave us one of these, we'll, um, we'll kind of acknowledge as we went along because I wrote down our names. Uh, so I don't have any big major shout-outs or anything this week. Do you? Uh, you know what? Uh, just one more. We lost okay. Larry King this weekend to COVID. Yes, and, I saw that. Yeah, and he's kind of the Gordon Soley of not wrestling. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, it's just, it, you know, it's just I'm watching all these names now of people just dying yeah. on top of the nearly half a million, most of whose names we don't know. Right. And, right. yeah, so, you know. Well, Larry King, the thing about him, hell, he had like four or five triple, quadruple bob passes and about 15 marriages. None of that shit could kill him. Yeah. So I really think, um, I think the suspenders were the probably only thing holding him together. Might be. Uh, I really liked Larry King. He, he just, he'd go after people, man. Uh, and he, he was a mainstay. Uh, anytime you turn that TV on, man, interviewing people and, uh, uh, opening people's eyes to different situations, you know, uh, pretty, he was pretty entertaining, man. I, you know, I put him over. Oh yeah. Uh, so, someone wrote me they weren't a fan, but they they had respect for him. Uh, a, a friend of mine, like yeah, that, that's 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 you know that's cool. But yeah, I think the suspenders. I think he is down to the suspenders. That's about the only thing holding that man together. Bless his heart. <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably right uh, there. 
Oh, okay. So honorable mention, the first one, I'll throw it out. I'll let Jeremy throw the next couple out. Uh, the first one um, is the worm. Uh, I don't know. That was just it was smooth, man, the way I guess Scotty Tuhati and several other people did it. I, hell, I guess Rakishi, did, I, did he even try it? I don't know. But anyway, uh, you know, that was just so it, it, it took momentum away. It kind of built up uh, the, the momentum of, oh, I'm going to do it. But then you're going down and you're like the people. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And you're like, man, you know, and, and, and then you you basically just coming up off of, you know, a breakdancing move and you hump. You're going for a pin on a guy. I don't know. It just um, seemed a little ridiculous. But um, for those fans that watch it for that reason, uh, that particular product, I can see where that would be very entertaining to them. But um, it's not something that I'm that was over for me. I just uh, nothing gets Scotty. He's a great guy, but um, uh, just I just I just didn't dig it. But hey, he found something to work for him, and it's on an honorable mention list. You know, of, of just a uh, you know a stupid move or you know to do. What's your opinion on that? Or you want to oh, move on or whatever? I'm you know, to whatever. We're gonna try to have fun with this for sure. Yeah, I I just I thought the worm was ridiculous, but it comes from a, a time when a lot of the moves were ridiculous. Uh, mm-hmm. but it just, yeah, I mean, what's it do? Uh, you barely, you barely fall on a guy after you do the worm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm saving some of my comments too. Cause, uh, you know, if the guy's just laying there, I'm going to save that for another one. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, because you basically have to, you know, uh, to set it up, you know, that's okay. I'm going to lay here and take the finish, you know, and that's what we're talking about taking a pin or whatever. Well, you got next then. Well, kind of goes right along with that. The next one under yeah, the next one under honorable mentions I have is the stink face. Yeah, yeah, um, and I want to bring it to your attention. Those were sent in by Nate, just to let you know. Nate from Wide Men Can't Jump sent me. He sent several, but we we picked those two out of his. Um, uh, several people actually sent these in, by the way, um, and I'll mention it uh, as we go. Like I said, Nate sent in a bunch of these at the very beginning. Yeah. Um, sorry, Nate didn't make the top ten, but 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 it made honorable mention. <laughs> the stink face. Um, I never took that, and I'm glad. To me, it just. Um, well, here's the thing. Honestly, with... It looked like if you had your head a turnbuckle a certain way, it would hurt. Um, I don't think he intentionally hurt anyone. I'm just saying when you got your neck back, talking to a man that has neck problems, when you got it back in that turnbuckle mm-hmm. like that. I just I just felt like it it, it could have been painful to be honest with you, but but as far as just keeping your face up in someone's ass, um, I could think of a lot a lot of broads I'd do that for. Um, I know that sounds cruel, doesn't it? Uh, calling a girl a broad, but um, kind of girls I hang out with are broads, and I probably paid for the service. And if I want the stink face from them, I'll get it from them. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I didn't know. I thought when you said broad, I thought maybe we were talking the width of their hips or something. Well, okay. Let's not go there. That's a little bit too straight. <laughs> well, I was going to say the stink face is kind of like, it's kind of like a context sensitive, like, is it stupid or what? But like Rikishi, yeah. nobody wants to catch that. <laughs> right. um, Becky Lynch. Well, uh, it's well, okay. You know? Yeah. And then as to your point, uh, you know, imagine a guy as big as Rikishi running in and hitting you with his thigh rather than his ass. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's not something you want to get hit with. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. But well, just so you know, I finished two bottles of water, and we're like uh, 14 minutes into the, that shows you how long we wait 
record. I drank a, a half a bottle while we started earlier, drank the, a whole bottle since then, and then now I'm into my third bottle of water just then let you know. Um, I think if we had been drinking beer today, recording oh, later or something. Last half yeah, of the we'd show. Be yeah. Deep. yeah. Last half of the show would be yeah. nothing but slurs and pee breaks, man. Here you go. Yeah. All right. So the next one kind of reversed to the stink face. Um, instead of putting her ass in her face, what do you got there? Uh, um, Bronco Buster. Yeah, which yeah. I believe this was made famous by a classmate of yours, really. I was going to say, yeah, Sean, X-Pac there. Uh, six, whatever you want to call him there. He would do that. Um, I guess he done it as X, uh, X-Pac there. But, um, yeah, just hitting, you know, you run across the ring and you hit a guy in the face with your crotch in the, um, uh, in the turnbuckle. Once again, it, it's pretty impressive because, you know, you're, you're, you're doing it to full speed and you're on a guy's face. Again, to me, it looks like if your head's not right in that turnbuckle, um, it just it doesn't look to be the most comfortable. Now, once he's in that position, though, and he's riding up and down, and he's riding you like a Bronco, to me, that part just becomes funny. You know, that's he's having a good time, obviously, uh, pretty much probably like Rikishi is, too, giving you a stink face. But it's it's just one of those things you just got to lay there and pretty much take the dick to the face, you know. And, mm-hmm. and uh, again, I'd, I'd, I'd uh, not saying I wouldn't do it for Sean uh, at an earlier, younger age. I'm just saying it's like um, – he got it over and stuff, but uh, to me, it's just kind of, like I said, just kind of a stupid, goofy move. Uh, but obviously, he had fun with it, you know. But uh, I don't know if you know this, but, um, and I put the emphasis on but, but. no laughing matter. You know, he <laughs> tore his anus doing that move. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, he was in serious trouble, um, lost a lot of blood, um, had, had to have major surgery. I'm not sure the full detail how it happened, I think. You see, he also set up to where he'd miss it, too. And if I'm not mistaken, I want to say it happened in, I want to say it happened in Minnesota, but I could be wrong. And it wasn't an indie show, but he, um, I think he set the person up and I don't know if he hit him the first time that he moved or if he actually, the person moved when he done it. But apparently the way the turnbuckle was, the, uh, the turnbuckle had been moved slightly and he hit that metal ring and basically, you know, gave himself a rim job, uh, with the metal turnbuckle. Mm. And, uh, it tore him up pretty bad. Um, I was listening to uh, some of his interviews at that time, and um, yeah, it was a pretty serious injury uh, during his career. I don't know how long ago that was, but um, it was a serious injury, man. Because he, you know, he went, he goes full speed across the ring again. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking he must have had the guy move in the spot, you know. Uh, but, but I, the uh, turnbuckle too was out of place, if I'm not mistaken, or it wasn't thick enough. And anyway, basically, he just nutted himself and crossed himself, and and but uh, it, it ripped his anal, you know. And mm. um, he he said he can't remember how he said exactly, but he knew immediately he was ble- he was hurt. He knew he was bleeding immediately. He could feel the moisture that quick. He knew he had done something. Oh you know? God damn it! Uh, I'm just... not sure uh, stretcher got right there or not, professor, or if they got him to the locker room. But he said he felt immediately. It, he 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 knew he was bleeding as soon as he so, done it. He could feel blood everywhere. Yeah, just hearing so that makes my down. well, it just makes my stomach and my balls hurt just hearing it. It's just like I can yeah. physically feel pain. So I knew a guy who was a power lifter back in the nineties. Okay, great big son of a bitch, like almost seven feet tall, just big big, and he was roided out at the time. Well, he went to a strongman competition and they were lifting telephone poles, and he got down on it. He went to snatch it up and. 
he prolapsed his anus and his guts fell out through his asshole. And ah, um, so that ended, obviously ended his lifting career and he had to have meshes and shit put in yeah. and it got him off steroids, which is probably, probably the best thing that came out of it. But I'm just like, holy fuck, just hearing that. Yeah, fucking just yeah. sends just willies up and down my spine now. Cause I, I feel sorry for anybody anything like that's happened to. God yeah, damn, I'm sorry to hear bad. that. Holy yeah, but shit. so our honorable mention was the worm, distinct face, and a bronco buster. And we didn't mean to get so graphic there, but but uh, like they say, don't try this at home, children. You know, it's it's it let the professionals do it. And sometimes when the professionals do it, they end up getting hurt too. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, even though these are. Um, uh, what we said, uh, you know, stupid moves, holds, and finishes, and uh, and you'll see some of them are the way we make light of it, and that's what we're doing, by the way, too. We're gonna be like making light of some of the things you folks out there, I think, will appreciate, but you're also going, I can't believe those guys went there, you know, because we do have such a deep respect for professional wrestlers and the performers therein. Um, so with that said, we ready to start our top ten uh, with one of the most iconic. <laughs> finishes of all time through the years that we've all seen uh whether you're one of your younger listeners or newer listener but definitely uh in our age bracket of listener uh start us off with number 10 jeremy number 10 is the leg drop yes um yes all right so we're specifically going to talk about one of the greatest wrestlers of all time here, probably. Well, pro wrestlers. He couldn't yeah. really wrestle for shit, except in Japan, apparently. But <laughs> but he could win matches over as fuck. Probably the second biggest star to ever come out of pro wrestling. Um, and he used the dumbest, dumbest finishing move I've ever seen. Bobby, hey, I'm, I want you to... You're going to win this match, but to do so, I want you to like walk up to that guy and fall right on your ass, okay? Yeah. Yeah, Just, and you know we talked about we when we was talking about Ric Flair last week. Uh, we actually brought this up. Uh, there was a couple people we brought up last week that kind of pushed this hand on us as to do these holds, and that was uh, because we talked about over the years that that move that finish for for Hogan it it compressed his spine that he's had to have several surgeries. You know, and if you uh-huh. see photos nowadays, of course, Father Time uh, and Gravity. We'll, 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 we'll take an inch or two. You know, I don't know to what extent, uh, uh, even if, you know, I walk up pretty straight, but I mean, I'm sure I have a little bit of a hump, but I'm sure, though, my spines went down a little bit. But Hogan, you can see, you know, he's, he was six, seven, six, eight at one time. And he's nowhere. He's lost three, maybe four inches off of that uh, due to that. And I'm sure oh. night after night, even mentioned it, he, he probably didn't do it twice in a match very seldom. You know, there was those select matches, but for the most part, he knew that finish was coming, had to get fired up for it and go out there and do it right in the middle of the ring, you know, five, six, seven times a week, man. And that just takes a toll on your fucking body. Um, but um, once again, it's just, uh, he's just, if he was dropping his ass on you, it'd crush your head. Mm-hmm. You know, if he dropped a knee on you, it, it'd crush your face. But uh, just that, uh, you know, that leg drop, it just, he just hooks his leg and walks out there, stops, drops over you. Of course, everyone knows it's coming because it's Hogan doing it. And um, that, that's probably going to give people an indication if we're willing to, to start off picking on Hulk Hogan in a leg drop. Well, <laughs> we probably got some other ones now. So how do you, how do you, do you, do you rate that as a, uh, the stupid as it's number 10? Is that like, uh, 
because it's painful to the guy doing it more than he is to the guy receiving it. Um, is it one on ones because it's supposed to be the finish. It doesn't stop momentum. It stops the match. Yeah. So where do you see that on the scale? At? What, where, where, what are you putting that in? You with know, I'm, with with that one specifically, look, okay, so just talking again about uh, Sean Waltman. His leg uh-huh. drop looked like it could fuck you up a little bit because he came mm-hmm. balls out at you and he slid forward on the leg drop and hit you in the head. And Sean would do one. Some, sometimes he would do it. I don't know how often he did it on TV, but he had a really sweet leg drop where um, he would do three or four in a row. And he'd kind of do like a baseball slide and drop that leg and he'd, he'd do a boom, boom, boom. You know, get up, he'd yeah. drop back up and drop three or four on you. It looked really, really good. And, and he wasn't jumping up in the air either elevating like Hogan did sometimes. Um, he was just dropping a leg, you know. And, again, not defending Sean, but just saying it's just one of the he, – he, he done it a different way, you know, a different way to do the move. Yeah. That actually wasn't so stupid, to be honest with well, you. Well, no, no. So that what I was way. what I was going to say is that yeah. I, there is a way for this move to look like it hurts. Yeah. Uh, so, But I'm going to say in this case Hulk Hogan's, I'm going to put it as a class two. Looks like it hurts the person delivering it more than the person taking it. Because you can't. I, I agree with that. And three, I think you're right. Yeah, 310 pound man jumps another foot in the air and then falls on his ass. No, yeah. no, no. There's no way. I mean, that's just. And, mm, no. I say this on behalf of Hogan. I don't know, and I'm sure someone could find it. I'm not gonna go out there and look for it. But as far as I know, even later in his career, uh, Professor, I don't think he just stopped and dropped it. He actually jumped. I'll say 89 percent of the time. He he. When he dropped it, he went out there and jumped up and dropped it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. He, he may have stood over the guy, but he still got a little bit of hype to it. Uh, he just didn't stand there and drop it, you know, uh, like some people have, you know. So he, like you said, he's, you know, six, 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 seven, whatever it is, and jumping up there, putting that extra momentum on. And, yes, the mat does give, but those those mats are unforgiving. Let's say that. I know that for a fact. So coming in at number 10, the leg drop. Um, and we'll just associate the person with uh, with that particular hold that's probably most known for it. And there'll be other people out there. I'm, someone's coming to mind. I can't think of it was a done a leg drop, but they would go out there and stand and drop down real quick over a guy. Didn't look didn't look spectacular at all. Really didn't. No, and I I can't remember. Like I think during a match one time I heard Gorilla say something like, "Oh, he dropped his massive thigh on the throat of his opponent." <laughs> well, that thigh ain't fitting over anybody's throat. I mean, there's yeah. nobody with a throat that fucking big. <laughs> and secondly, that you know that that leg hits about I don't know top third of the chest, so it doesn't even look like it's hitting the throat. You know, it just looks yeah. like yeah, it just bounces on the chest a little bit. And I'm not saying a 310 pound man dropping on you isn't gonna hurt. It's just the way he did it. It looked like the impact went to his ass, and yeah. his leg happened to hit the other dude. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, this next one, that's where I was going with that. We'll kind of, uh, wasn't picking on Hope nope. there. Wasn't putting over Sean, um, Xbox there. Just kind of let you know there's different ways to do it. Uh, this next one does go up a certain person. I'm sure other people have done it, but it comes off of, uh, uh, using his name and, uh, he's a phenomenal wrestler. And that is, uh, uh, the Styles Clash that he uses. And we've got that on there. Talk a little bit about that, Professor. What's your, I know you think he's a phenomenal wrestler, which he yes. is, but, but why don't you like this finisher? Why is it a stupid finish for you or a stupid hold? Well, the setup, uh, the setup sucks and the fall is garbage. And what's the target on the body he's hitting? Yeah. So is he hitting his, their ass and face? How's, 
what what exactly is he stopping? You're talking about he's stopping momentum for one, right? Mm-hmm. To set it up. The setup is uh, garbage. Yeah, so, that's so. The breaking the momentum part. Yep. Um, looks to me like looks like he's hurting himself a little bit. Um, but how's he hurting the other guy? Yeah. Because it's it's he doesn't fall far enough for it to be like a belly flop or like a throw on them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know it. it 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 straight down just yeah. pretty much straight down yeah and if they landed on their face like the like triple h's uh, yeah. uh pile driver or even uh, colonel de beers used to use a pile driver like that well they made it look like they were putting dude face first into the ground um this thing I, do, I don't even know is is he doing a modified face forward pile driver onto their stomach yeah, As, I don't know because I don't know if their face is hitting the mat or not. Well, no, because their their armpits are behind his calves. Yeah, I got you. So no, their upper body is is a foot off the mat, you know. Yeah. Um, so no, it just I, this thing for a guy like AJ Styles, who can do these Pele flip kicks and all this shit, you know, even in his his mid to late forties. He still does shit that nobody else can do, you know. Yeah, yeah. And and then this for twenty years has been his finisher. Uh, it's just a well, I, I present you this question, mm-hmm. and I don't know how I don't have any insight on this. It's just just my opinion, uh, just just my opinion. Asking you the question rather, um, you should always be able to do a finisher that you can do to any size of guy. And yes. AJ wasn't all that big when he he was big. Don't get me wrong, but he's bigger, stronger now than when he first started. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, more mature, you know, muscle wise and everything. Do you think maybe that's because he maybe he done that because he could do it to a bigger guy when he was at a time working with a lot of smaller guys? Um, could that be a factor? You think um, um, something easier that he could put himself in, put his opponent in, where he had to stop the momentum on purpose to slow it down. So I can put you in this to, to here's my finisher. You know what I'm saying? I, well, I don't know. I have no insight. I'm just asking, you know, do you think maybe he, he had to think about that? Like a reverse neck breaker was a finish, okay, just to throw some out. Well, you could do it to any one of these size of a guy. You know, you go up to them and, you know, they're bent over and you, you know, uh, just do it, you know, put your arm right the back of their neck and do it. That's something that you can pretty much do to any size guy, height-wise, weight-wise, oh, yeah. whatever. I'm but, wondering if A.J., just go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, but but think about that reverse neck breaker, okay? Mm-hmm. That's got it's got a dynamic to it where you grab them and you spin them, and mm-hmm. then it's got a pop when you hit the mat at the end too. Mm-hmm. Well, this thing just kind of looks like a wet fart. It just kind of there's a it doesn't even hit the ring that hard, you okay. know. And and okay. when it does, when it does, what's he hitting it with? Their their thigh and stomach. I mean, what is being driven into the ground in this? You know. Okay. I just no. maybe that's that's why I was thinking maybe can yeah. you do it to a bigger or a smaller guy. Well, uh, there's probably something to that, and the yeah. fact that you know wrestling finishers have to be instantly recognizable. So yeah. you know, but I mean, this thing he's got to gut wrench them up, and then step over their arms, and then fall to the floor. I don't know. It's just, uh, it's just not, not, okay. not a favorite. Yeah, Bobby, there's probably something to what you're saying though, because as soon as he gets them up. You know, all he has to do is gut wrench him up, and he's a strong guy. He can do that yeah, to yeah, just yeah. about anybody. Step over the arms, drop down, back row, you see that move start, you know what's coming. You know? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, that's there's probably some production too of uh, what we talked about. What from come from Impact to WWE, and they know it's coming. It's a setup move. You know, they can see it coming, like you said, for 20 years now. So you're in a back row, you can see it coming. Yeah, so you know this is the finish, basically. Um, okay, so this next one I'm gonna go with. Um, the uh, it was sent in by uh, No Gimmicks Guy. Hey, shout out No Gimmicks Guy. Um, the uh, he said this was no doubt number one, but we put it up here number eight. Uh, in pre-production or pre-talk, and I'm gonna let you say what you had to say about it because I think what you said about it is a lot better than what I have to say about it. But it's the Canadian Destroyer. I just said this. I think it's way, way overused nowadays, and I left it at that. But you had some comments. I'd like to hear your comments again on that because uh, I know it's kind of a pet peeve of yours when you talk about helping, looking, uh, look, uh, yeah. helping the other guy looking like it hurt. You know, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, you, you, so, you do your deal on it. Yeah. That's number eight, Canadian Destroyer. So this, this move, okay, so the very first time you saw it was probably in the early to mid-2000s in an indie league somewhere, you know, you saw this in, in a VFW hall or something, right? And the first time you see it, it fucking pops. I mean, holy shit, did you see that? Second time you see it, you're like... I saw it and I popped. Yeah, the first time. Second time you mm-hmm. see it, you're like, so the guy receiving the move does a flip with the other guy holding on to him, but... But the wrong person hits the ground at the end, so therefore it's not a flip, it's a pile driver. But there's no way the guy delivering the move could actually get somebody to move that way, so you know it's the guy receiving the move driving the whole fucking thing. And it just pulls you out. And, you know, that's the second time you see it. You know, every time after that, you're just like, fucking stupid. Knock it off. Okay. Now, here, here's me as one of the boys when I saw that. Mm-hmm. The exact way, the exact, the exact way you described. I popped. Then I looked at it and I was like, "Wait a minute, what? Wait a minute here." And I tried to, you know, watch it again to see if I saw what I thought I saw. And then on a third time, I was like, uh, "Hold on here, man. This guy's assisting this guy a hell of a lot more in his own finish, and it looks like it's hurting him more than the guy taking the finish." Okay. Yep. I'm over it. You know, I mean, it, really, when it when the first time you saw it, you really fucking popped, you know. Yeah. And then you're like, what, what was that? And then you're like, oh, that's what it was. Okay. Um, not impressed anymore. No. <laughs> I'm it, saying it, I'm going to run it out and do one right now or whatever. Um, I think Ricky Morton did one about a fucking year ago with someone's assistance on one of the uh, AEW shows. And, and more power to him, you know. Uh, at his age, and that's great, but it's just not something like, like I said, it's just uh, uh, no gimmicks guy. I said, I think he, 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 I can't pull up his uh, tweet right now, the, the direct message to me, but I pretty much said uh, something like, without a doubt, the number one, or, you know, it's Canadian Destroyer. So he, he really doesn't like it. So, um, but we put it in there. So number 10 was Leg Drop, number nine was a Styles Clash, and number eight was a Canadian Destroyer. And now we're going to go to number seven. And this is kind of a twofer. I'll mention the first part, and I'll let uh, Professor tell you about the second part of this that kind of goes with it. I thought this was, even the first time I saw it, I thought, wait a minute, this is stupid, and I'll tell you why it's stupid, because the fucking guy's in the ropes. You can't fucking do a move in the ropes, tying up in the ropes, because you can't finish the guy, because the ref's going to make you break the fucking hold, or you're going to get disqualified. And yep. that's the, uh, uh, the jury did it. And I'm sure other people have done it. I know 
Um, a guys around here that's done it um, on independent shows once they saw it there. But it's the, uh, the, the tarantula. I see that. I saw that hold and I thought, okay, yeah. And, and um, uh, Chris King and uh, uh, Shane Storm uh, were two of my students at the time, uh, wrestling a lot of shows, and they were the two that showed it to me uh, on each other, not me, by God. My body didn't bend like that. <laughs> that point. But, uh, but no, and I was like, well, and they was impressed. These young guys getting into business and this and that, and I can see why I saw their enthusiasm. But I was like, okay, but here's why I don't get it. Y'all might think I'm just an old bastard. I, I was in my 30s then, so I don't know. But I still was probably a bastard, just saying. Um, just like I was like, yeah, but I don't get it. You're you're in the ropes. The ref has to make you – you can only hold it for like four or five seconds. Yes, I do know it's a work, guys. Yes, I can go. Go ahead and put yourself in it. Yes, put it in your match. That's fine. But I don't, you know, not not on me, you know, um, just uh, I don't know. To me, it made no sense because you're assisted by the ropes and you're tied up in the ropes. So the whole fucking thing's a wash. Yeah. Um, so, you know, over time, as as wrestling has progressed like it has, the rules become less and less consistent. Now, you know, I get it. You got a story to tell and sometimes shit's inconvenient. And, you know, there's a reason why it used to take an NWA ref and half an hour to count to 10 outside the ring, stuff like that. You yeah. Know, you know, there's drama, there's things you got to build up. But as a wrestling fan, especially those of us who are more NWA skewing than WWE skewing, we're more into the technicalities. You know, we want to believe that a guy has good ring knowledge. He knows where he's at in the ring. He knows how to get a hold broken because he knows always how close he is to the ropes and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So for us, you got something that plays fast and loose with the rules. We're already subconsciously going to be a little bit like, mm, okay. But as soon as you start doing moves in the ropes, and and the move requires people doing shit that they don't ever do. Nobody ever does this in a match unless it's against Tajiri. Nobody ever ends up mm-hmm. in this position. This is the thing. This is why I have the 619 in here as well. Yeah, that's why I wait yeah. for you. Yeah. Nobody ever falls between the first and second rope unless they are wrestling Rey Mysterio. Yeah. Never. But then it does. Now, you know, Rey Mysterio's is, is a hit rather than a hold, so it makes a little more sense. You're going to you yeah. know, pull a strike where you and, can. And, and, unless you're some skinny little mascot, weighs about a buck 30 on an independent show out here, um, <laughs> that seen that and saw that back in the day and going, hey, I want to be a Mexican wrestler, luchadors, I think what they call them. Mm-hmm. And then they, they said, now you stay right there. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, that's another fucking area code. Um, you, you're from the 606. That's from the 619 pal yeah uh, get the fuck out the door we had a guy from up in, uh, pikeville on the show and uh he was l zero or something i don't know what the fuck his name was he was like i like doing that 619 and we had a guy from australia mark mercedes was here and we had a pretty good show and and he said uh uh, uh he came with the ring crew uh to set the ring up and we used them to one day and and anyway like i said he's he's not even a buck fifty, whatever, and he's you know wants to be Ray Mysterio Jr. whatever. So he says to Mark after the show, he goes, "Man, you know, from Australia, and uh, I'm getting a rest of all you guys. We had some pretty good shows lined up. Hell, we had Man Fernandez on a couple of them with uh, uh, Tracy was on them. Uh, um, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, Frank Murlock was on them. I mean, we had three three good shows lined up over the Fourth uh, of July weekend. And he, so he asked Mark what's the best advice he could give him uh, in professional wrestling. Mark said. 
get the fuck out of business. <laughs> so that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he said your best bet is keep sitting the ring up, buddy. <laughs> so I there was not this hotel business having a good time. I'll never forget that he told that guy that because he thought he was fucking Ray Junior and he wasn't. But yeah, so it takes assistance by the other guy by being in ropes. Again, it's it's one of those things. You do want your uh, beliefs suspended during that time. But, Jeremy, if I go over there and I fall between, you know, the second and third rope and lay that way, and you're my opponent and they know that's something you normally do, they already know it's coming. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like um, and, and in other sports, to me, a lot of times you don't know it's coming. If it's football, you're like, okay, are they going to pass? Are they going to run? If it's baseball, is he throwing a curve to change up? You know, in basketball, are they going to shoot out front or are they going to try to set up for a, a layup or a slam dunk? I like that. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I, like, I don't like the predictability. You may have an insight on all those other sports, even in MMA, you know, mm-hmm. uh, as real as those guys hard hitting and everything, they're setups for moves and stuff, but you don't know exactly which one's coming and where it's coming from. Boxing the same way, you know, okay, generally you follow up with this and this, two jabs and then that, here comes that overhand right, you know, whatever it is. But, but I don't want to know that, okay, if I go over to the ropes and he's laying there or I'm laying there, this is what's coming, you know. That's why when you reference, I think, the NWA, uh, you know, you're, you're you're looking at the guys, how he presents himself in the ring, his work rate, where he's going to go, where he's setting people up at and those things. But it's not, you know, just a guy laying in the middle of the ropes out there. Yeah. Um, and, and let me say this on my behalf. I'm not shitting on a wrestling business. I'm just having fun with these wrestling moves as one of the fans and as one of the boys going, oh, okay, because I'm going to have a uh, – um, this next one's going to be a lot of people. Well, I can't believe they even talked about this, man. But this uh, guy's a true legend, and I've done this with at least three other people. I didn't do it with this man. I'll say that. Um, but uh, it's the Undertaker when he walks the top rope, man. Now I know Don Jardine back in the day. Uh, Don uh, Don Jardine, uh, spoiler, the original spoiler, um, was big and tall and had something to do with Mark's training. Um, you know, he'd walk in ropes, and it's very impressive, don't get me wrong, to climb to the top rope. I don't care how tall you are, but if you're 6'10", like, that's very impressive. And then you're going to walk out from the turnbuckle, maybe all the way to another turnbuckle, and then halfway down another side. You're holding the guy's hand for balance. I've done it with uh, uh, Jensei over in Japan quite a bit, and then um, a local wrestler here, I wrestled some, as the he wrestled as a black scorpion, and uh, he done it a couple of times and done it really good, man. Um, and, and I was glad to do it because I'm in the match. You know what I'm saying? So, again, it's not a dig on The Undertaker. And I heard he just had a – I've only seen segments of it. I just heard – I haven't heard the whole thing that he had a really good two, two-and-a-half-hour interview on a Joe Rogan podcast. Not that we need to boost his podcast on our podcast. Just saying – Undertaker supposedly had a really good interview uh, with Rogan the other day. I'm going to listen to it probably later tonight or tomorrow. But, man, you know, but does it make sense that the man in the ring, I'm holding your hand, I'm your balance beam, so to say. Yeah. Uh, a balancer, as you're you're on the balance beam, I should say, is what I meant, that that rope being the balance beam, and I'm your support system for that. Um, Yeah, the first couple times you see it, you're very impressed. And then after that, it just becomes like, okay, Jeremy, here's that part where they do the lead guitar act, or here's that drum solo coming out. You get used to it. You know, yeah. you listen to that band, and you know 
at this particular point, you know, they're breaking down on that guitar solo, or you know that the high riser is coming out and the guy's getting ready to do his drum solo. That's what it's become with the walking the ropes. At some point, he's going to go up to the top rope and walk across it, holding your hand, the opponent's hand, and he's going to drop down with a drop on the head or a drop of the, across the back of the arm or what have you, and you're going to sell the fuck out of it because he put in an extra 15 steps from something, you know, uh, four and a half feet, uh, three and a half to four and a half feet up in the ring, um, and you're already that tall, he's dropping it for that much more height on you for the impact. Not saying it's not impressive, but it's pretty stupid. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, it is stupid, because let's just say you got a hold of my hand, and you go up the turnbuckle, and you're walking out the ropes, and now I decide, you know what, fuck it, and I just sit back. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it. I'm just going to sit back. You're coming off them fucking ropes, yeah. probably going to hang your ankle up and eat shit. That's all there is to it, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say this. You know what's not stupid? What's that? Reading books. Very good point. Reading books yep. is not stupid. And I have a couple of books out, and they help support the show. Oh. Uh, sometimes if you order a book through the links I'm about to give you, Amazon will give this show a little bit of a affiliate account, and it goes into my Amazon account. And my first book is called Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boostable Travel. And a professor has set up an easy way to get to that site. You go to tinyurl.com slash blazebook1, and that'll take you right on site for Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boost Will Travel. The second book is called I Kicked Out on Two, The Education of a Wrestler. And once again, a professor has an easy address to get to that. That is tinyurl.com slash blazebook2. Both of those books are available either in download or print editions. Now, when you get the print edition, like I said, the show does get a little bit of kickback, and uh, we appreciate that very much. Also on that Amazon page, I have about three other short stories. I have a little Christmas story, I don't know, 20, 22 pages. Um, I have a little erotic story, just breaking into a different genre there. Again, about 20, 22 pages. And then I have a story called Yard Time, and it's about 20 pages. But that book is also located inside of the book um, I kicked out on it too, The Educational Wrestler. So if you're going to buy a short story, you can buy it, but if you want you might as well buy the whole damn book and get the story in the book, you know? Mm-hmm. And again, tinyurl.com slash blazebook1. That's for pin me, pay me. Uh, tinyurl.com slash blazebook2 for I Kicked Out on 2, The Educational Wrestler. And uh, that's my book plug for this week. We haven't been plugging them the last couple weeks. Uh, we just haven't been um, just haven't been plugging them for whatever reason, man. But uh, tell a friend about this uh, podcast. Rate us. Rate us on that podcast. While I'm going on that little bit of a rant, make sure you leave some ratings for us, reviews. Um, also, if you've read my book, I know I've gotten a couple people that said they just finished reading my second book by DM. And um, if you're out there listening uh, and you're one of those people, Feel free to leave me a rating on my book, you know, one, two, three, four, five stars. All I ask for is a fair and honest uh, review, uh, just like I would anyone else's show. Uh, just leave a fair and honest review um, of, the, of the book or of this program, and we appreciate it very much. And I'll get off of that unless Jeremy wants to add anything before well, we want yeah, to number five. I, I just want to point out that writing Bobby and Jeremy suck is not a review, mm-hmm. so, so don't do that. Yeah, and it's not your business. Yeah. You know. 
Whatever, but, whatever I do in no, my free time has nothing to do with you. Right, and I agree with you. And I've had, like I, I think I've told you before, I've had one review moved on Amazon a couple, three years ago, and it was a one-star review, and that's what it said, honestly. It said, Bobby sucks. And like I said, well, that may be true, and, and, it's, and it's not their business, but I wrote Amazon. On a nice little letter and said, you know, on, this is not a review, and on, they took it down. And I don't know if anyone out there has ever had to take anything down off of Amazon, but I'll tell you what, you have to have a legitimate reason. For example, if Jeremy wrote a review and said that this book sucks and, you know, this, this, and this, they will leave it up there. Um, you have to have a legitimate reason for them to remove a review. And that's one thing I don't do is go in and uh, they encourage you as an Amazon author to act with anyone you know leaves reviews for you um it just looks bad on you you're not going to win the battle you know and so i only interact with someone that i know personally had written me and said hey bobby i bought your book and by the way I left your review i thank them you know I, i'm very happy for that and, and and if they give me a two star or three star or five star what i thank that person and i i'm sincere with my thanks uh in that but again um like I said, this program here, if you love it, leave us a nice four or five star review. If you hate it, you know, say you hate it, but but saying, you know, Jeremy and Bobby suck, that's not a review, folks. You know, <laughs> nope. just be fair and honest. Keep that opinion to yourself, you know. Yep. Um, and that's that. But if you want to criticize us for something that you that you can specifically say, hey, you guys suck at this, and then, yeah. like, say, you know, this, that, or the other, like, be constructive – I don't mind you telling me I suck in that situation at all. Yeah. So, yeah. To me, that's fair and honest. If you yeah. say, you know, uh, Bobby says fuck too much. Well, you probably got legitimate reasons. <laughs> you don't like hearing that, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I get it. Uh, and there's times during this podcast we have tried, especially when we was doing more of the YouTube, we've tried to cut back some. Sometimes it just, just doesn't, doesn't happen. doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Good Lord. I've, uh, we've tried and tried, and it's just not worth yeah. trying anymore. Oh, man. Well, let's move on to number five, because I think this is going to get Jeremy riled up a little bit, man. This hurts and, my uh, heart. This uh, one hurts my heart. I know to it do. does. Yeah. And uh, Vic Boggs, um, he had a couple of these. And um, when when he said this one, I, I automatically, I, I thought of another one. I, I, this, I, just, I saw Nick at the gym the other day. And uh, I just said, hey, I stood my distance, I had my mask on, he had a mask on and all that, just so you know. And I'm not going out there seeking uh, friends at the gym or anywhere else. I'm, I'm in my own fucking business, people. <laughs> I go to the store, the beer store, and a couple of days a week I try to go to the gym. But anyway, my point being, uh, Nick's been a lifelong wrestling fan. And um, uh, I knew if I if I asked him this, he'd have a good answer. And he had a couple. But the first one off the top of his head uh, – the Bonic Elbow by Dusty, oh. and I said, oh, my God. I said, my partner, uh, that Dusty's one of his favorites, is going to hurt him, man. But this is going to be a good one to bring up because I agree with you. And I told Professor Off-Fair, I said, man, I said, the, the Bonic Elbow, what do you think? So go ahead, Professor. Well, okay. So I, way back when, in episode number four, when we was it four, where we talked about yes. Dusty. Yes, sir. Um, and if you haven't heard that one, go back and check it out. It's a fun episode. Um, we talked about the bionic elbow, and like I said in that one, like when I was young, I liked it because, you know, it's sure. badass. It's Dusty dropping elbows on people's heads and then <laughs> selling their asses off and bouncing across yes. the ring. Then you get a little bit older, and you're like, okay, I mean, I get that an elbow to the melon's going to hurt, <laughs> but come on, you know? I mean, and why is he winding up for so fucking long before he hits it? I mean, what's what's going on yeah. there? 
And then I got older, like an older person, like my mid late my mid to late thirties and older than that. And I appreciate it for what it is. It was Dusty's yeah. fucking goofy ass move that you know that he could get people to sell for him and get kids in the crowd to pop. And okay, I I, I appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. But you know what else it is, Bobby? What's that? It's stupid with two O's. <laughs> I hear you there, Oz Cooper. Yeah. I hear you. But, yeah, you know what, though? I'd have been one of them guys. Had I had the honor of, of, of working with Dusty, I'd have bumped my ass off for yep. that thing, man. As soon as he started winding up, brother, I'd have started running towards it, you know, and I'd been willing to take a big bump for it, too. But, uh, yeah, I'm right there with you, man. It's it's just, it's like you said, it's stupid. So, uh, it and I think you wanted to say something else here uh, that we about had in our top ten and we thought, well, we'll just kind of add it with the Bonnick Elbow, and that is the uh, Dusty Finish. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that, Jeremy? Yeah, so recently, the way I've been kind of looking at things is that I realized that before, like, 85-ish, I mean, people had finishing holds, but matches more often just had finish as. And it got to the point where the Dusty Finish was like every match, you're expecting every match that had two names in it. You're watching the back of the place the whole time because you're waiting for some fucking bullshit to happen, and it's just yeah. just fucking stupid. And even even in the time where like you still believed and you thought, you know, hey, yeah, there might be some bullshit, but you know, fucking yeah, the, these guys, these two right here, these fuckers are for real. But then the end of the match starts winding up, and you're just like, oh fuck, Barry Wyndham's gonna come out of the back dressed like Sting, right? Right. Uh, fucking Ollie's gonna dart in from the audience. Uh, Ron Garvin's dressed like a girl and he's going to run in there and punch somebody. Just, you're just waiting. You're like, why, 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 you know, I think, I think 10 years of my life, I never saw an NWA match end with a real, like a big match end with a real ending. There was always some bullshit going on, you know? I like, um, I like when you, when I think here's a good run in, when you know that that run is over between that baby face and that heel, mm-hmm. and and someone runs in, that's going to be their next opponent. So right when, let just just use Dusty in this example. Right when Dusty gets his hand raised, uh, he finally beat uh, uh, whoever. I don't know. Just saying. But then the next person runs in to start that feud off with Dusty. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's the only time I like those good run-ins. A lot of times, though, it's just for a DQ or a thrown out. You know, that's that's not any good. That's not any good, you know. And I know watching the matches, <clears throat> a lot of times, you know, I'd be, like, especially uh, uh, WCW, I don't think they, you know, gave a fuck. And I don't know about WWE at the time. Uh, I just know, like, when I was in Canada and I, I know when I was in um, the, the, uh, Smoky Mountain, the you know smaller territories, you people gave a fuck. Meaning, if I'm out there or you, you know, as a babyface watching that match, uh, you know, like when I was in Canada, I was a heel, and I'd be watching a match, you know, and uh, someone say that's a hot fight, that's a hot finish, Bobby. Mm-hmm. Meaning, someone's coming in, so don't you be out there because otherwise you're a heel. You'd need be out there helping your buddies out, you know. Yeah. Because uh, one of your buddies, like someone, be jumping in. Same thing um, when I was in Smoky Mountain, you know, Robert Gibson, I'd be watching a match or something, and, you know, I don't know if he knew, if I knew, whatever it was, but one of us would say, you know, hey, hot finish. And we just walk back to the back, you know, drinking a soda, whatever, getting ready for our next match or whatever, because someone was going to interfere in that match with Tracy and uh, Candido or whoever it was, you know what I'm saying? So um, those hot finishes like that, um, you know, there's a reason for 
for some of them because you're starting a feud with the next, if that makes sense, this is who we're feuding against next. But I just didn't like them. Um, when you look, everyone's looking to the back oh, and it's all because yeah. there's no, there's no finish at all. And, and we made on this earlier is like, um, uh, off air. We was talking nowadays is to the point and I, I haven't watched it enough to know, but I imagine it's still going on even without a crowd. And that is, you know, Jeremy, you and I was in the ring and we're having a fight and we're bumping a bumping And then someone else's music hits before they even yeah. come to the fucking ring. Like, that's to me like, okay, Jeremy, you know, there's a rabbit in this hat, don't you? Well, I'm going to go ahead and let you know there's one in here. So when I pull it out, you won't be fucking surprised. You, you, you know, know so I, I always, on, I always imagine some fucking poor intern running around the back, having to keep tabs on every fucking wrestler just in case they run to the ring because he knows he's going to have to go to production and get their fucking music cued as soon as they show up. <laughs> so there's this poor fucking kid, you know, like 20, 20 years old, out of college, we'll say, or he's in college. He's like, um, he's like a communications major. He's hoping yeah, to go to work for term, like a political yeah. party and he's working here and this poor bastard is running ragged 15 minutes into the show because he has to keep tabs on 500 wrestlers just in case one of them heads to the ring oh yeah man. you know the uh, first time man. first time you don't cue their music man you're fucking out of here that's like that's how they introduce themselves to this kid you know you're fucking out of here man <laughs> oh that, i just I, oh you know well, Bobby, hold see. on hold on before we yeah. move on i want to say you know if i remember correctly in the uwf cowboy bill watts was pretty fucking bad about last minute run-ins and non-endings on shows too and, okay. uh, and speaking of Cowboy Bill Watts, why don't you tell everybody what we got coming next week? Well, I'm glad you, that's a good segue there, man, when you said that. Um, next week, we're going to have a guest on here. We're going to do a deep dive into the Mid-South uh, in the UWF, and we're going to have uh, Adam uh, and Sparks Third Coast on here, two guys from the uh, big fans of the Mid-South. Um, so it's going to be you and myself and Adam and, um, Sparks on here. Yeah. Uh, Adam, is it Pierce? I'm sorry. Did I say that? that didn't mean to. Well, you know what? I was, I was just going to use his Pierce? first name. I was going to use his okay. first name until he said how he wanted to be introduced or yeah, whatever. I'm not sure how you say that, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, it might have a little Southern Pierce. I don't, anyway. I believe it's Sparks pronounced. Third Coast, uh, go ahead. I believe it's pronounced Beauregard. But okay. Yeah. Okay, Beauregard. Okay. Beauregard. Adam yeah. Beauregard and Sparks Third Coast, because I don't know Sparks' last name. Ha ha. Um, anyway, uh, we're going to have them as guests, and we're going to have some questions for them. They're going to share some knowledge with us, and uh, my questions aren't going to be too deep. Nope. Um, I'm just going I want to let them guys talk and tell us all about growing up. Uh, you know, you had your San Francisco and I had my Memphis and, and, uh, you had your California and I finally got some NWA and you got some NWA and then you got some WCCW and I got some WCCW, but man, wasn't until later on that, you know, we finally got some, uh, some mid South and these yep. guys, uh, have been fans of mid South for a long time. And so we're really looking forward to having him on as guest. And I'm Adam, Adam Beauregard there. If I exposed your gimmick, I'm sorry. And, uh, Sparks third coast. So I just know you're on the third coast. So, uh, yeah. Cape I don't know anything. No, 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 no. <laughs> See, this, I'm going to use this opportunity. I'm going to go get me a bottle of champagne, some sugar cubes, and a thing of uh, uh, bitters. And I'm just going to introduce the show and let those two talk.
Yeah, I, I can't wait, man. I'm yeah. excited about that. I, like I said, I have a few questions. I'm sure you do, and and uh, I'm just waiting to hear, you know, share, for them to share their knowledge with us. Yeah. So uh, we're looking forward to that. Yes, and that'll be uh, next week's program. Uh, but we'll go back to this week's uh, program, which has turned out to be a hell of a party, folks. Uh, we're recording way past our time <laughs> that we normally record. So uh, I think it's time we break out because I'm not selling for it. But one time, one time, you kick me one time and I'm going down. I ain't got to get back up and feed you again, motherfuckers. No. And that is your super kick party. That's the stupidest. <laughs> Number oh, four. Jesus Christ. Yeah. We went on a rant about that before, by the way. That's one of the rants we have went on. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, it's it's because it's, it's, you know, irritating. Um, I get that the guys running the AEW, you know, the Young Bucks, they're not everybody's cup of tea, whatever. But they, you know what? They're, they're good wrestlers. They're functional. They're just smaller than some people like or whatever. But what, what pisses me off is 900 fucking super kicks and double super <laughs> kicks and they can't put a fucking guy down and you know Chris yeah. Adams and and the hand, and Shawn Michaels these guys use that fucking move as a fucking one shot kill now i said that once and our our, our departed friend tex had to go point out that fucking not only tell me about it he had to show me video of uh, Terry Garvin taking two before he went down but okay okay well um, I um I'll say this I again the, the Bucks I, I said this way back uh, when Tex was with us as well and that was I put them over for they figured out marketing you know mm-hmm. they they figured out how to market their gimmick and that's good and that's what the boys you have to learn how to make money so I admire them for that part and that part only because I have been in a ring with Chris Adams and I took two super kicks from him but it was in two different matches. <laughs> so when he kicked me, I went down and stayed down because that was the finish. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't try to kick out on his finish either, by the way. Um, you know, I've taken several super kicks. Um, and, and when I took them, and when I gave them, I used to be able to give one pretty good, actually. But um, when I gave one or when I took one, it was always just one. And I either stayed down and sold my ass off or took the pin, whatever it was called for at that point, you know. But I didn't get back up and feed 15 other fucking holds, especially, or moves rather, especially the same damn boot you keep throwing up at me. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Uh, after the first two or three, I think you got enough fucking sense to either roll out a ring. Oh, do I get up and feed you a fourth, fifth, and sixth one? No? Okay, you know. And to me on that one there now... That's just become a joke because, you know, there's a lot of things you would do and put over. But after a couple of them, I'd be like, ah, fuck it. I'm out of here. Take take part of my check. I don't know. You know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, but. Uh, well, there's. You know, I even saw where Eli Drake last night. I think it was last night or Friday night. Uh, he wrote, is there something evolutionarily different about younger wrestlers today who can take five DDTs and a super <laughs> kick? And it's, you know, it's not an end. And so, you know, he's writing about that. And then points. as I was as I was researching some things this week, just trying to get some things to the top of mind, I went and just did like a search, like stupid things in wrestling, just in general. What are some stupid things? And this guy the guy who wrote the article I was reading, I, I because of this section here, I'm not going to remember the wording, but at one point he was talking about a clothesline just being a clothesline and how could it 
do whatever to somebody. And I'm thinking, okay, there are fucking moves that should just be finishes. They should never be used for anything else. And the fucking clothesline is one of them. That yeah. that should not be with, look, a buddy of mine in uh I think it was junior year of high school f- fucking headhunted the dude with the clothesline playing football. <laughs> you know, they didn't let him yeah. play football the rest of that year or the next year. Because I yeah. mean he fucking floored this dude. And it just happened that he was pissed and he spun and he nailed the guy, you know? Yeah. And uh fucking yeah. flattened the guy out. Danner took his helmet off. <laughs> you know, th- that is a monster fucking move when done right. And he, this is what makes this is what makes me think some people don't understand what getting hit under your chin will fucking do to you. And the super kick is right there. Do you yeah. jam your fucking foot with a full leg extension under their jaw that head snaps back, they are going to be knocked the fuck out. Now, you get two guys slamming into a guy's head at the same time. There is no way that that kick should land two, three times. Fucking Bill Wallace used to knock fuckers out with kicks that were half that hard, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, you know, you go back to uh, the clothesline, too. If you, if done properly, if you're is not Stan Hansen mm-hmm. she'll probably you know that's your finish right there otherwise don't use it you know and I used to tell guys in these indie shows all the time especially ones I ran and that would be like um, I'd say hey uh, no clothesline no nut shots and I'd put dash 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 because if you've done one of those two things I'd put no pay mm-hmm. now some of these guys might be making $25 in their training matches or $50 depending on if they're third match or up or what have you but I always put that in there. I went on. We had a whiteboard down at the armory here, and a lot of places the armories or gyms uh, that we worked in had a you know a board, a chalkboard, or a whiteboard. And I'd put on there, you know, no clotheslines, no nut shots, dash, 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 no pay. And I meant it, man. Like I don't go out there and fucking clothesline someone 15 fucking times. That's the only thing you learned wherever you got trained at. You got trained wrong, you know. And if you're in a real fight. And you kick a guy or you're down on the ground and you reach up and grab him by the belt and, knee, you know, reach up and nut him one good time. Uh, that's pretty much going to stop it for right then. Yeah. If not end it, you know. So so that's why I did that. So uh, anyway, good good points about that. Let's move on. Um, we're going to call this uh, next one because you asked me about it. Uh, I had the, the nerve hole, the spark hole, and it's nice said, man. That's the Asiatic Spike. And he said, well, you want me to write this up, Asiatic Spike? And I was like, hell yeah. So no insult to anyone, but that Asiatic Spike 40 or fucking, uh, who was it, TJ Khan, who yeah. that was, uh, living, living in the, uh, down there by the uh, van. Don't touch his van. Went, Don't touch his van. <laughs> but uh, by God, he's ready to put it. He, he learned it when he, Terry Gordy, if you ain't seen that Phoenix video, folks, what we're referenced there, Bill Murray oh, is interviewing fuck. or trying to interview Michael Hayes. But touches Terry Gordy's van. He's like, I want to talk to Gordy. And Terry Gordy comes busting out of the van with they got parked underneath some fucking under ramp down there in uh, Dallas somewhere. And they, you can just tell they've been partying that motherfucker for like three days. And, uh, well, don't touch my van. Just go watch that. But I think he's after TJ Khan has broke up the brotherhood and, uh, Gordy's back going to put the Asiatic spike on him. But, uh, yeah, if you get behind that guy and you dig that thumb down in your neck, Jeremy, mm-hmm. and you compress it right down in there and you grip that trapezius 
and you hold it and you hold it, man. You, I just feel myself crunching up on that side right now. Ouch. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Well, the Asiatic spike comes in at number three. Bobby, you gotta, you gotta tape your thumb first though. It doesn't, oh, yeah. it doesn't work. It doesn't work without the tape. Um, How does Bob get it over so easy? Well, that was the Vulcan nerve pinch. That's that's different. Ah, that's different. different see, yeah. see Vulcan, Vulcans, I, Vulcans, Vulcan. yeah. See, Vulcans have telekinesis, and what they do is they use the the uh, natural electricity of their body to short out your nervous system. So that's how Spock does it. Yeah. Well, God. fuck, dude. I've been watching Star but Trek. You gotta have the tape on the thumb. Yeah, you gotta have the tape. Otherwise, it's not gonna work. Gotcha. You know, it's not gonna happen. Um, yeah, dude, I just I can't even talk about the Asiatic Spike without thinking of fucking poor Terry Gordy rolling around on the ground because because Bill Mercer <laughs> won't stop touching his fucking van. And you know, Terry Gordy, oh, he just man. wants to take a dip of cha and listen to fucking Skinner and hang out <laughs> and drink some fucking whiskey. But fucking Con is making a problem for him, and Bill Mercer yeah. keeps touching his fucking van. <laughs> And I love like yeah. like how serious Michael P. S. Hayes is like Bill, Bill, just don't, 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 no, just don't, don't, don't touch his van, Bill. No, come on. Oh, here we he come. Across that man, we were like, oh my god, that's great, <laughs> folks. Go look that one up. It's worth it. It's worth it, man. It really is. Uh, he Gordy like down on the fucking ground, rolling around, man. He's ready to get down. Oh yeah. shit, you know. And, and then you watch this. Like here's Bill Mercer, like like one of the best professional voices for a newsman, and Bill Mercer. Mercer is the guy who broke the news that Kennedy had been killed in 63. Yeah, yeah, I read that after um, yeah. he was telling me um, about that, and I was uh, honestly, Jeremy, just in the last, oh, man, I'm talking like the last couple of weeks uh, when we were doing our territories and stuff, I found several things out of Bill Mercer, you know, doing, you know, straight newscast and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. It's pretty damn interesting, yeah. So, um, oh, no, we're always learning. You, you yeah. like myself, when we first started talking, uh, we're, we're like lifelong learners. And uh, I was like, damn, man, that's pretty, that's pretty cool, man. All right, so number two, man, I'm going to tell you, my little brother turned me on to this one. Uh, when I was a young boy, he'd come running outside. He had discovered Memphis Wrestling. Uh, he couldn't have been more than probably uh, six years old, probably, maybe five. And um, I hadn't been watching wrestling for a while, so everyone's kind of heard that story. Uh, if you haven't, basically he was inside watching Memphis. Apparently it was getting ready to go off TV because by the time he came back, got me from outside to come in and see the TV, it was the wrestling credit for rolling. And he was explaining it to me, and I said, oh, well, it's professional wrestling. So we waited until the next week, and um, sure enough, during a match, uh, the person that did it was Bill Dundee. And that was, it was called the Sunset Flip, and we was trying to figure out how you do it. You know, we were just uh, young kids and getting up on a bed and trying to flip over each other. You know, it's the Sunset Flip. We have no idea how to do it. We're fucking hitting each other pillows and pile driving them and all that, whatever. But that was my first time I saw the Sunset Flip. Now, you got to realize when you do the Sunset Flip, the guy's already been over for you. And I'm going to tell you how easy it is to... Uh, uh, when you're in a business, you can get caught up in this and that, and you learn something different. But you, you jump over the guy, you head, you take your head, dive over him head first, your head going over his back and ass. You loop your hands on his hips, and as you're going over, your body weight pulls his body weight down, and you roll him up for a pin. Now, what I did, I did a little bit different. I did that traditional style, but there's another way you can do it, too. And, of course, in this one here, <clears throat> got to break kayfabe here for a second, folks. Mm. Uh, 
if I'm wrestling you and I'm going to do a sunset flip, okay, um, and a guy shoots me off for the backdrop, well, I outsmart him, okay? But what instead of doing a traditional sunset flip, and I had a guy stand up on me before doing this, so that's why you got to kind of uh, Iggy let him know, hey, I'm giving you a sunset here. Um, so instead of feeling my hands on their hips and then pulling them back, uh, what I would do is I would leapfrog them, okay? When I leapfrog them, I roll back through their legs. So I'm looking on my back eye to eye at you. And then I take my legs and I hook your arms and I roll you up. So it's a really neat way of doing a sunset flip. Not seen a whole lot here in the U.S. Not saying I just had some good training. Let's just say that. Yeah. So it was something different. It was a sunset flip, but it wasn't the way you saw it in Tennessee for the last, you know, 50 years or whatever. It was a way that, oh, my goodness, how did that guy do that? That's a, he just rolled them up. The sunset, But it gave me a little uh, a set for my comebacks, you know, just a little bit different way to set up a sunset flip. Um, I had used it in Canada uh, when I was babyface up there last I don't know, the last several weeks of, of, of the second tour, I was up there, he turned me face, and, and I just, you know, again, the guy would bend over, I leapfrogged him, roll back through the legs, um, and then their arms are up in the air already looking like, where the fuck's he at? And I just take my boots, I hook them underneath his arms, he rolls right back, just a little back roll, one, two, three, or, you know, one, two, kick out, move on. So uh, sunset flip, though. <laughs> We're putting them on one of the most stupidest fucking moves because I just told you all the reasons why it's pretty fucking stupid. So give me your two cents, Professor. Well, so the, the sunset flip, I mean, if it was done smooth enough so it looked like you went over them and then in one continuous motion rolled them through, yes. I, I could see that. Or like in your case, you're using your legs to hook the arms and swing them back. I, I see that because at least it pulls that person in a direction because otherwise i just go so why not just fall to your knees and get the pin yourself just just that, fall that's what i was waiting on <laughs> yeah just fall forward a little bit and bend your leg and now you got him to the mat not only that you got your knees dug into both of his biceps that fucker's not going anywhere and that's and, kind of what my brother and i learned yeah at a young age, and that's why I'm putting on this list, one, uh, because it brings back such a good memory, but two, is because you're just exactly what you said. Once we were learning to do it, it's just like, I just follow on you, and you're pinned. Yep. <laughs> Don't jump over me again, because I'm going to pin you every fucking time, you know? This, yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, I'm glad we put that in there for sentimental values, man, and give a shout-out to my brother Jim there while we're talking about that. Now, this next one. This is the one that kind of started it all last week, and you put a question on the old notes, uh, and, I, and I'll get to that as yeah. far as yet. Yes, I've had it done. Uh, but uh, this one kind of started it, and we was like, now, is this going to be a, a, a top 10? Is it number 10, or is it going to be a starting point, or is it number one? And we we done this. We said, this is, this is number one, because that's what we kind of started talking about this. As we are finishing up the uh, – uh, the WCCW territory and uh, just even doing the uh, the champions and uh, uh, some other, you know, different things, man. I was like, Jeremy, it's going to hurt you, man, because this is this is your home territory. And this is such an over, over fucking hold, man. Oh. But really, I hate to tell you, it's stupid. Uh, so the stupid. Claw. Yeah. Just don't worry. I tell you that. Dumber than a bag full of drowned mice when you really look sentimentally. I love this move. 
Um, yes. you know, Big Barry used to use it too, man. He, you know, his dad also used it. I mean, I, the, yeah. the claw, we should like it. Baron von Raschke, who did you ever notice that as you age, Baron von Raschke looks less and less scary every day? Like, same picture <laughs> never, of him. He never looked, he never changed. Yeah. <laughs> So you could like him at 12 or 13, and he looked scary, but when he was 40, he still looked the fucking same. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just... It's um, scary as much. But he, you know, uh, he used it, man. I, I guess, actually, the claw used to be a, quote-unquote, Nazi move at some point for whatever reason, because lots of people forget, but Fritz von Erich started as yeah. a wrestling Nazi, and uh, he, you know, he's the one who brought it in. Now, the thing is, with the Von Erich boys, you know, they could crush apples with their bare hands, and, yeah. you know, all that shit, they were strong, but the claw's a stupid hold, man. Um, what are your arms and legs doing while they got <laughs> you in the claw, you know? Yeah, uh, swinging around, running around, moving yeah. around, I when, mean... When you should be punching and kicking the fucker who's trying to hold on to your head like it's a bowling right. ball, yeah. Well, I got two story. One, when I was doing just a little bit of research on this, just uh, uh, it had um, Abby apparently told uh, Carrie, now I don't know if you ever done it or not, but um, he... Um, he said, you're not putting that on me. He said, it's just stupid. You know, look at my head, you know, which makes sense on Abby. Um, and the same thing with his gut, you know, it makes sense on Abby. Like, your arm is not strong enough to hold my big fucking cut open melon head, nor is it strong enough to hold my big fat gut. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I don't know if he ever done it. And if he did it, I'm sure, you know, like you say, you just walk away from it. I had the claw put on me uh, by Bruiser Bedlam, of all people. Um, down a Smoky Mountain, here I was, uh, had already won, been on TV, been the TV champion, had been a junior heavyweight champion, uh, was coming off the uh, heavyweight championship uh, uh, belt, you know, run, and um, was kind of no quick kid, you know, people. I had that series with Dirty White Boy and all this, and the fucking first night, Cornette brings Booze and Bedlam in for TV, and, and, and I jump off. I do some different things. He's a big, strong cocksucker, man. He benched over 660-some pounds and this and that. And uh, anyway, I end up on the mat, and he grabs my stomach with his fucking fist, a claw, and puts like an iron claw on my gut. And, uh, of course, Cornette's out there managing him. But um, um, I sell it to the point of submission. I'm like, fuck, you know. And I, I said, I'm here like two years, and I ain't fucking quit one match. <laughs> ain't missed any bookies or anything and this guy comes in one night and I fucking gotta take the claw from him you know yeah. but that's that also wrestled a fucking mummy for a couple of weeks so what are you gonna do just collect your check you know? yeah that's uh, that's all you can do right <laughs> so I guess uh, that number one uh, hold there is that what you can go with Jeremy well that's yeah I mean you know partially because it is such a sentimental thing for me that I have to admit that it it is not a great move. So, yeah, for me, okay. that's number one. Why don't you give us a run of the top ten if you don't care? Absolutely. Number ten, the leg drop. Number nine, the styles clash. Number eight, the Canadian destroyer. Number seven, the tarantula. Number six, walking the top rope. Number five, the bionic elbow. Number four, the stupid, stupid, stupor kick party. Number three, don't touch Terry's van. Uh, Asiatic Spike, sorry, I, I went off in a whole different direction there. Two, the sunset flip. Three, the bad guy from Get Smart, The Claw. Free 
Freebird rule right now, what? baby. You can't see me. Oh, you fuck can't no. See me. No, Bobby. You can't see me. No. Yes. Yes. I'm telling you right now, man. I had a caller the other day, and he told me. He said the stupidest move. Andy, if you're out there listening, and I'm sure you are, this goes out to Andy. The five-knuckle shuffle, baby. Oh, <laughs> the geez. stupidest move ever. Andy best his name. When he sent me that one, I was like, oh, man, I don't know how to get this on this list unless I slide it in by telling Jeremy you can't see me and using the free bird rule. Uh, yes I, or no? That's, that, that's the only way you're getting it on my show. I can tell you okay. that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Andy. Oh, man. And thank all the guys that sent in, uh, you know, all the uh, different ideas. Many of them were uh, duplicated and repeated and et cetera. Um, but uh, that was a fun list, Jeremy. I it really was. enjoyed it, man. That was a lot of and fun. And a fun podcast. Uh, we've already mentioned we have a couple of guests and do a deep dive into Mid-South next week. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, and I could be very easily, believe me, I think this is number 98, program number 98. Uh, uh, next yes. week will be 99 if it comes off as planned. So in just a few weeks, we're going to be having our 100th episode and uh, i'm not quite sure nor is a professor unless he's got something hit up his sleeve or pulls out a free bird rule uh what excuse me what we're going to be doing for a hundredth um a hundredth episode we could have some guests could have some ideas uh but if you have anything to suggest for our hundredth uh episode please feel free to write at twitter at the bell to bell blaze uh, on that podcast, uh, or hit me up at BobbyBlaze744 or the professor up at the Geekish Cast and let us know. Uh, maybe you'd like to be a part of that 100th anniversary or 100th anniversary, 100th show. We'll let you know. Um, but get with us. Um, roll us out of here a little bit, Jeremy. I have a couple closing remarks. You have a couple closing or whatever. I just know it's a fun list today. Oh, I, that was a total blast. Absolutely. Um, you know what? I don't actually have anything to close with besides our regular clothes. So Bobby, what what do you want to want to roll out with? Brother, roll out the regular clothes, man, because that was a fun podcast. It's yeah. good to be doing our top ten again, and I'm looking forward to getting uh, some guests on here in the future and, and just continue. Uh, you know, hey, for number ninety eight, man, we done we done pretty good for ourselves. Not too bad, not too bad. Yeah, you know what? Um, anybody who's listening, who's like uh, in the wrestling business, whether you're a promoter, hell, maybe even a costume maker or a wrestler or whatever. Um, we are going to start talking about doing guests more frequently, which is still for us probably going to be pretty infrequent, but we do want to have more people on, uh, go ahead and hit us up. Bobby gave out our Twitter addresses already. Feel free to hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you can find us. Um, and let us know like kind of what you do. And if you got an idea for an angle on a show or something that you might want to sit in on. Uh, now that being said, for the late Tex Johnson, for myself, Professor Jeremy Vilmer, and for the Blaze and Bobby Blaze, bye bye everybody. <laughs>